Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ellen Trackman here with... Jennifer White, but but what Ooh. podcast is this? Did you even say? Oh, wait, so no, I guess they say it in the talk intro. about this because so there's an I know. intro before we come on. <laughs> so when I say it, I'm repeating it, but it's I Want to Put a Baby in You, which is, we get it. It's a ridiculous name for a podcast. So thank, is, you, for, like, thank you for everyone does it make you? I was going to say, does it make you squeamish? See, does it, do, like the, sometimes people say that, like, is it okay for that we say it because we're women? Is it not okay if men say it? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, um, Jen, since entering into this world, are there certain like words or language that you've now become much more comfortable with than maybe before? I don't know if it's a more comfortable. It's just that I don't think about them that they could cause other people discomfort anymore. Maybe that's the the difference is that like, I never had a problem like talking about sperm or eggs or, you know, any of those things. And I'm like, dude, I have like detailed conversations about people about, I mean, not like, not like detailed, detailed, but like we have to talk about people having sex and all kinds of things like that. And, you know, it just is something you well, we do. We don't. We have to talk about not having sex, right? About not having sex. You don't have to have sex with this this world. Right. But yeah, what about you? Um, I For some reason, I, this probably reflects weirdly on me, but uh, sometimes I'll still, like generally we talk about sperm, like, you know, like there's ova or eggs and it's combined with sperm to form embryos. But occasionally I'll say like an older contract or not necessarily older, this used the word semen. And I'm always oh. like, that's unnecessary. But I get like, the line <laughs> is like, fine, I get it. I'm like, no, but let's just talk about this word. We don't need to talk about the semen. Right. <laughs> so still I'm like, oh, okay. Do we have to talk about that? But, um, but I, I right. guess it should be the same either way. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, I guess that's fair. No, I, but no, I don't think anything has made me like more uncomfortable. So, yeah. Um, okay. But on to a amazing gestational carrier and professional who talks about the comfortable, the uncomfortable, lots of great tips. Um, Ashley Mareko. Welcome Ashley Mareko to the show. Ashley, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Ashley, um, this is going to be a great episode, especially for those who are thinking about surrogacy and just kind of wondering what the big red flags are, given that you are a three-time surrogate and have had some very interesting stories and are working in the industry, as we don't like to call it, but in the area as well. So I feel like you are just such the expert. So we're thinking we would talk about your stories and also go into like the 101 of surrogacy and the red flags and tips for people to to learn and to know if they're thinking about being a surrogate or um, working with a surrogate. So let's get a little background on you before we dive in. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you living? What are you currently doing? Where are you so, from also? Because yeah. I yeah, like anyone who's from Hawaii is like, they have to put that in. Like, oh no, I'm originally from I Hawaii. I know, right? <laughs> it's awesome. Wait, sorry, don't you have a famous cousin or tell oh. do you, are you like, Let's just start with that. <laughs> right? Lead with it. Just lead with it. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. yeah. When you find my, husband, my husband's family is actually quite uh, athletic. And uh, yeah, we do. We have a, a nephew. Um, who is one of like the number one quarterbacks in the nation. Just amazing, like faith-based kid, good kid. And yeah, he just recently left for Clemson. Yeah, awesome. So where are you living now? Not about your nephew, what about you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, so I'm definitely born and raised in Hawaii. And then about eight years ago, moved up to Nevada. Um, And so I thought, you know, what's the complete opposite of Hawaii? And we ended up in a desert. (laughs) Right. And what are you doing right now? So I am currently the program manager um, of a local agency. We're based out of LA. Um, we have, you know, and we're located in um, Henderson, Nevada and Salem, Oregon. So yeah, I've, I've been with Surrogate First for the last couple of years now. So, but, but I guess more importantly, like what kind of brought you into the surrogacy world. And I mean, obviously we've kind of already spoiled that you've been a surrogate, but how did that even come up in your, in your mind? Like start way back at the beginning. Where, where did that come from for you? So, um, it came from being a very closed minded person who felt like 
you know, if you're supposed to have children, then they happen. And that's what's going to happen to me. And um, I had, you know, one bonus child and two keepers. And then we, me and my husband, because of some health issues, uh, dealt with some infertility and could no longer have any more children. And I realized uh, that pain, that not completing your family or not growing your family to what you believe it to be um, can cause. And just seeing others getting pregnant and, and having more children. And we were stuck in this place of, we can't do that anymore. Um, and so I remember one day just kind of clearing, like hearing clear as day, like, aren't you thankful for the ones you have? And I, that kind of put me and humbled me. Uh, and then the next thing I heard was, there's people out there that have no children. And I knew right then, I was like, well, you know, God gave me big old hips and pretty good pregnancies and labors. I'm going to help people. And that's <laughs> how I ended up as a surrogate. <laughs> Which is amazing to change for your mindset to change so vastly to think like, oh, you know, if they were supposed to have them, they would. Yeah. No, I want to help them. Yeah. I look back and I'm ashamed of how close minded, but I think that surrogacy definitely opens up a whole new world to me. Like, a whole new everything, more people to love and understand. And I think, I think that's all it is, is that when, when I started to see other people's sides and other people's perspectives, you can't, I could no longer be close-minded. I could no longer think it's not my problem to help with, you know, like I think seeing other people's hearts really does change my own. How did you start and did it go smoothly? No, no, not at all. <laughs> good. So this is where we can teach people to, the tips of like how to hopefully avoid right. good what you go through. Lessons. So yeah. tell us how that first um, attempted journey went and what happened. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I decided I wanted to be a surrogate. I met someone, you know, in my local community that I was friends with, realized they had been a surrogate. They had a great story and I thought it would be exciting and fun. And I went on this trek to find the right agency. Um, and I don't think I knew exactly what I was looking for in the right agency. I think I just wanted someone who was going to accept me and I wanted to do this and this was going to be great. And obviously everyone who has a business license is, is qualified to, to be an agency. Uh, not necessarily the case. Um, and even sometimes there's, there's bad stories and bad endings in great agencies. Um, but I ended up signing up with one agency and going through the process. Um, I had had a certain stance and beliefs and had all my decisions of what I wanted to do and, and carry. And, you know, during the pregnancy, what would those decisions be? And my agency said, you know, I've got the perfect match for you. Uh, we did our match meeting and we hit it off, but we didn't have any of those important questions. So tip number one. <laughs> so you did when, so you're, I'm oh, sorry, so was your agency, was somebody from the agency with you guys at that match meeting or was it just, yes. you guys just met and kind of talked? No, so they didn't we had bring a up any of those important things. No, that's, yeah, that's definitely going to be tip number one. Make sure to cover all the important parts of match meetings. Um, so we didn't talk termination. We didn't talk communication, like really like how often or what was going to be the minimum. Um, we didn't talk even, you know, beliefs. And, and so we went into it, you know, we, we went into it thinking, well, the agency said we're a perfect match. And I saw their profile and it looked nice and pretty. And I wanted to help someone. I didn't, I didn't think that, I didn't think it could happen to me. <laughs> so, right. you know, we go through the match meeting and we go on to like medical clearance and everything's going good and they've got a quick timeline. And so we don't have much time to get through medical clearance, legal clearance and the transfer. And so uh, I end up speaking with the clinic and the agency and they they say, okay, well, you know, we've, everyone's got the contract. We're going to get it finished in the next week. Um, we need you to start meds. But what was the reasoning for the quick timeline? Just out of curiosity, was there something that made it so they couldn't delay for any amount of time? Or what was the explanation to you as to why they couldn't hold off if needed? No, I, I didn't question it. You know, I think they just kept in, saying, we just have this quick timeline. Yeah, you know, they gave me the calendar and said, this is what we're doing and we need to follow this protocol. And, and I think for a first time surrogate, I just was a yes man. Like, okay, this is what we do. Okay, I just want to help you. I just want to get this done. And also I was excited and wanted to rush it. Like, okay, whatever. Like, wow, let's get this quick. Like, you know, let's, let's get pregnant and have this baby. You know, it's going to be awesome. Um, and I ended up having to walk a week out from transfer because of the fact that we could not agree on the contract. <laughs> and, I, and I think I kind of barreled over you on that, but like, so 
they had you completely start medications without a legal contract in place. Yeah. Yeah. They said they they just, yeah, yeah, they just, they paid me the medication start fee and I was to start and work through the contract and the clinic. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And the clinic was, you know, the clinic was saying, Hey, we need this contract. We need this contract now. We're not supposed to, you know, we're not supposed to start. We're doing this because, you know, you guys are all on the same page kind of thing. And we, you know, we need it this week. Um, and so it didn't get done that week. And that was the week I started my meds. And then the next week, um, we realized like we weren't going to be able to, it wasn't, we were so far on opposite ends on some of these decisions. There was no way to come to, to the middle. And, um, and are you comfortable talking about what some of those decisions were that people should be thinking about talking about at the beginning? Yeah. Determination. Yeah. So that was definitely my thing. And I was, I was a no term unless my life was in danger and they were. And for those who aren't as familiar with the terminology, the, the thinking is that, you know, even if something goes wrong with the pregnancy, you don't want them to say, hey, we want you to get an abortion, that you're just not comfortable with that. Like you want to help them carry a child, but you're not going to terminate the pregnancy. Yeah. And I would say after, you know, several surrogacies, I mean, after the first one, it definitely changed my perspective. But um, yeah, at that time I was no term. I thought this is the way I'm going to do it. I would, you know, personally in my family, I would not, you know, terminate a pregnancy um, because, you know, nothing bad's going to happen. So why would we need to? Just that whole nothing ever, that's not how it works. (laughs) But you know, and so we went there and they were complete opposite. It was, well, no, if there's any type of problem, we can't handle that. And so, and that's their choice. It was their baby and it was their parent. And so, you know, I respect that. But at that point, that wasn't what we had, you know, I had agreed with my agency on it. And so I definitely had to to move on that. And I believe there was some financial things. Like then we started to communicate about the contract and, I was fine with the one that I had like initially been okay with, but they wanted to change a few things on the, on the next one. And I just wasn't okay with that. (laughs) So yeah, we did. We ended up walking on that and I was heartbroken and I was heartbroken because I disappointed them. And I think being originally being a surrogate and a people pleaser, you know, it was, it was hard. I felt so bad. And it took me a while to, to decide that maybe I should try again. But yeah, so that was the 0.5 journey. That was definitely not the first one. (laughs) 0.5, I love it. (laughs) Okay, so you try again. Do you do the same agency? Do you go somewhere else? No, I definitely went to another agency. um, And I looked around and asked. um, During that time, my mindset grew a little bit. um, But again, I still had the same, same beliefs on my termination stance. And so I get to another agency and they say, hey, it's, you know, it's going to take us time, but we're willing to try. Um, and so it takes several months, I think eight months, maybe close to a year. Um, and they find, no, it took six months and they found me in a couple. We talk again, we talked a little bit about it. They were okay with my stance. Um, and so I headed off to the medical clearance where I had a doctor completely berate me and tell me how dare, wow. how dare I, wow. she won't work with anyone who, um, <laughs> who is so selfish about what the parents would have to deal with. Um, wow. And so I sat in her office crying um, until my coordinator came because she came at the right time and they had pulled me in early and she just apologized. I'm so sorry. We, we cleared it with the parents. We, we knew what you had been through. Um, we didn't realize that this is what the doctor was going to do. Um, and so we went, okay, back to the drawing board. Let's try this again. And I was a little bitter, but I felt like if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. If it was meant to be, it was going to happen. And so I waited another, I think probably four months. And then my, my real match showed up. <laughs> and so that was a lot different. I think we both cried on the call, just knowing everything she had been through. And then just knowing like I had found a family that supported my beliefs. Um, and that's where we kind of, we kind of made a match at that point And I carried twice for them. <laughs> wow. Okay. So wait, but now we're skipping way ahead here. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, Happy ending. No. <laughs> so you, you match. Yeah. I was going to say, yay. Hooray. It's always good to get that out of the way. Right. So nobody's panicked. <laughs> um, so this time, how did the process go? Because obviously last time you felt very rushed and, and things like that, what was different as you went through into this next this next matching? Um, I think I was a little hesitant. And so I may have delayed, you know, the process and really understood. I actually brought the 
attorney that I had from the last, that attempted journey um, with me, I felt like, well, she's going to be honest and she was there to protect me uh, and not just smooth it over. Then I, I trust her to be in this next journey with me. And so she was my attorney and it went pretty smooth. Yay to attorneys. Yay to trusted yes. attorneys. Yay. Yes. Yeah. The fact that she looked out for me and I actually use her with our agency because I'm like, if she was willing to say, hey, this is not safe for you. And I know that the, you know, legalese is saying that it's very kind of vague on this, but if this is your beliefs then we can't have it like this, you know, so I do, I definitely appreciate her big time. And that's good to hear. I mean, I, I think people are worried that attorneys, you know, when they're referred to by an agency that they feel like they have to make the, make the agreement happen. And so it's good to hear that, you know, attorneys are going to stand up for, for the client and what they believe in and break it if it make, if they need to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And now on the agency side, sometimes I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> but I know uh-huh, it's for the best. Right? Even though it's for the best. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I match with them and we go through it. Um, and her, you know, her fertility clinic was a pretty strict clinic. So, you know, we, we get to the point of finally getting to like, you know, I think the initial transfer, you know, after medical clearance, he wanted me to do a couple more tests and I find out uh, I've got some, you know, in, in my lining, there's like this, you know, um, some kind of like bacteria that you just take an antibiotic and, Uh, but he's like over, you know, overly protective. So now I've got to take an antibiotic for 30 days. So now we push the transfer back another 30 days, Uh, you know? And so here, you know, two years ago, I wanted to be a surrogate. (laughs) It just keeps getting good. mm -hmm. Right. But I think it's good that people hear that, that these things happen all the time where there's something like a, like you have to take an antibiotic or something needs to be adjusted or sometimes there's a procedure that has to be done or, you know, what, I feel like a polyp removed or something. Exactly. Where I see it so back. often that same, like that pie in the sky, like they apply and they're like, great, can I be pregnant next week? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, it's, it takes like six months to get through, you know, screenings. I mean, yeah, that's a best case scenario. You, you know, it's kind of the, yeah, it's a very, so I say, I'll let you give that tip about that. But yeah, no, no, that's so valuable. The other thing that's so valuable is let's stop rushing matches. Like we don't need to match in two weeks. Like I am glad and I am thankful and I would never want anything to be different than what it was because it took that long for me to find my forever family, you know, like that it's, that's just, it's valuable. And when I finally found that it matched and I think that's the thing sometimes, you know, I explain, um, you know, during the application process, like, answer these questions as yourself, not as what you think someone wants to see. Like, yeah, I can't yes. find you. That's really important. <laughs> right? I can't find you your perfect match. If, if what you've put on here is what you, you know, you want the quick match, you want whatever you want. I don't care. You know, communication, it doesn't matter. Not seeing a picture, you know, like if those are things that are important to you or your decisions are important to you, and it's meant to be, it's going to happen. And when it does, it's beautiful. And so I see a lot of times in these groups, people are like, I've been waiting three weeks and not matched. I'm like, oh my, like give a chance for the right. right family to like, even your, you know, the agency to look over your profile and decide like, are you guys the right match to even share that information? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Patience. Point. That's a very, Patience. very good, good tip. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but the irony is like patience, but then when something needs to happen, it's like, go, 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 go. <laughs> Get it done. Right. Well, isn't that surrogacy? Like, like shouldn't I, the definition be hurry up and wait? Like, <laughs> I, yes, I, my be. new one I've come up with is like, um, it's like drinking out of a fire hose in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you, you know, it's like suddenly you're like, you get everything you need right this second. Now, 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 now. And then it stops and it's dry again. And then now, 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 now. And then it stops again. So it's like... Uh, Oh, yes. yeah, no. Hurry up, wait, however you want to call it. Yes, no, I like that fire hose. I'm going to use that, Just borrowing it. <laughs> Excellent, you may have it. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of her thing. So you went through that journey. Now, and here's everything a- was... Okay. Well, um, so we actually, we, we get, we go through the first part and I'm, I'm pregnant and we're a couple months in and I get a call um, from my intended mother And she sounds really like down, um, really worried, really down and come to find out uh, after five years of, you know, failed IVF, uh, her and her husband got pregnant naturally. 
and we're looking at the time. Wow. We are two Ooh. weeks apart, like three weeks apart from each other. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yes. And she was so fearful, like just so fearful to tell me. And I'm telling her, this is amazing. You always wanted twins. Like you've got your twins. And she's like, but you're special. I still want that baby. I'm like, oh, you're taking that baby. It's part of the contract. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's yours. I don't worry about that part. <laughs> but you know, like, and to see her worry about me. And I thought you are the last person to be worrying about me. Like after everything you've been through, I'm here to help you. You know, like you're not supposed to don't worry about me. Like I got this. I've done the pregnancy thing before. Like this is new for you. Um, and so we got to, we got to share that. We got to share the boys being so close together and going through a pregnancy. And now it is, you know, it is important to note that like my family was from China, either they, you know, they live in China. And so English was, you know, very um, limited, but we did talk through like WeChat and there was some English. Uh, but yeah, even with that, we were able to build that bond and just kind of relate. And then she had someone going through it that she could ask questions and, we could kind of support each other on all of it. Yeah, that's so fascinating that she's going to have two kids that are, you know, same grade, just a couple of weeks apart to explain that, yes, they're brothers. They're just two weeks apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we actually just call them twins. And I'm pretty sure they just celebrate like a middle birthday. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, nice. funny. That makes sense. Then you don't even have to explain anything. That makes sense. They know. Um, and she's been very open with them, you know, that... Um, you know, that I'm aunt and, and my husband's uncle, um, they've chosen to call my, my children, big brother and big sisters, you know? Um, and so we, we do that, you know, and we spend time with them and we've actually went and visited them and stuff, but yeah, no. So that was journey number one and we get done. And I think a month later, she's like, you want to do it again? <laughs> oh, wow. Even with twins at home too. Yeah. Yeah. She, she had one girl embryo left. And so she said, you know, I, I just don't, I don't want to trust my body with this. You know, I haven't had any luck with IVF. You know, would you be willing to carry for me? And I thought, why not? You know, so much safer. I know who you are. Yeah. That's incredible. So I assume, did you, I assume you use the same agency for that next journey then? We actually didn't. Um, we were going to go independent, you know, so we waited, you know, we get done with the birth and we decide, okay. Uh, we don't talk about it for a few months as she's dealing with twins. Um, <laughs> right. And then we kind of pull it back. Busy. Yeah. We pull it back the next year um, and talk about it. And we were like, you know, we'll just go independent. We can definitely do this. You know, I'm a type A personality. But what I didn't realize is, is what a surrogate and what an intended parent see as the agency doing is not necessarily like, you know, I think of an agency like a duck in water, like, oh, look how easy and calm it is. And the duck's like, <laughs> just like trying to stay afloat. You don't um, see the feet like, underneath. I love, I love that. <laughs> I, that so I love it. Okay, I'm stealing that from you. So. <laughs> and so, you know, we get into it and she's like, hey, I got a friend, you know, who's been doing this for years and um, maybe she can, you know, help us and guide us. And so we kind of, you know, met with her and talking with her. Um, and that's kind of, how the beginning of, um, you know, the whole surrogate first started too, was just learning about what she had been through and, and what I had been through and, and her experience of 10 years of walking parents from the beginning of infertility to even finding out, you know, creating embryos and then finding out they needed a surrogate. And so we thought, okay, well, let's do this together. Let's kind of create a frame framework. And what does this look like? And so she did help us. And uh, it was amazing. Um, it helps when you've already been together, you know, it's a sibling journey. So that awkward period of trying to get to know each other, build their relationship. Um, but we were able to have, you know, her friends lead the way on the actual like work that an agency does, which is a lot. It's so much work. That's tip number two. It's not as easy as it yes, looks. Yes, right? <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks. Yes. Oh my God. In terms of it not being easy, especially now working on the agency side, what do you see as like one of the biggest items that is a lot of work for an agency that when people think about going independent, they don't realize? Following up, babysitting. It's a constant calling of everyone. Um, you know, you think you you think that you've made these partnerships with, you know, attorneys and, and clinics and um you know, and, and insurance and everything like that. The truth is they have all these clients as an agency. My job is my case. 
each case. I'm in charge of making sure that it runs smoothly and it continues down the pipeline and it gets to where it needs to go. But some of these other businesses may have way more clients that sometimes things fall through the cracks. And so it does need to be checked up on. And I think that's for me was was the biggest thing is like air traffic control, making sure, you know, cycles are on point, medications are being taken when they're supposed to, clinics have their appointments all set up and everything's lining up to the different dates and we need to get all the clearances in and following up with attorneys. Like there's a lot involved. I give independent surrogates a lot of props and the intended parents, because I'm sure that they're, you know, got the brunt of the work too. But sometimes as agencies, you also have backdoor, not, I don't want to say backdoor channels, but you have better ways to reach people just because you already have the relationship with the clinic, you know? And so it's not that you're trying to like sneak around, but it's also that it's just like, you know, you know, you know, the shorthand and the quicker way to get things done that, that sometimes an independent match might not know either the right words or the right language or things like that. So I, I definitely can see that, that that's part of that air traffic control too, is you, you can do it a little faster and more efficiently the more times you do it. Well, you have a process that's spent years creating. And if you're just going into it on your own for the first time, you, there's no process. I mean, you can Google your heart out, but you know, Google helped us in the beginning and experience helped us, but really like diving down to that process of like streamlining things. But like you said, yeah, having those connections. And I tell that to, you know, to parents and, and surrogates, like if you need something or if you need an answer, you need to get a hold of someone, you know, feel free to, to contact me because sometimes I have cell phones and sometimes I have, you know, emails that can. I, I didn't want to say that because I wanted to, didn't want it to imply that like I always oh, have that kind of channel no. with people because I don't, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, please don't call me and just be like, hey, I need a cell phone number. Like, I can't give that out. But Right, right, right. No, yeah, I definitely agree. So two was not enough. You decide to go again. How did you approach that third time? You know what? You All you have to do is ask any person who works at an agency who's been a surrogate how the, you know, how the... How that one surrogacy over what you thought you were going to do happens, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, I had you know, been working on cases and a case came through my desk from my owner. And she said, you know, Hey, look at this. Do you think, you know, anyone who, you know, who we can match them with this is, you know, do you have a good match? And I'm reading it and it's just heartbreaking. I mean, you know, 10 years of a failed IVF and they are down to their one last good quality embryo. Um, and, and I think a mosaic and, they, this is it. They're like, I, we can't do anymore. Like we, we've tapped every source out. Like this is it. And um, just looking through and there were some other things in there that were, you know, a little unique. And I thought, Oh, you're going to be hard like to match. I've got to figure this out. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'll work on it. And my boss came back and was like, Hey, what about you? I'm like, Oh no. Okay. Let me, let me think about this and talk to my husband. <laughs> Um, and I talked with him and I said, okay, you know, I'm willing to meet them. Let's, let's meet them. I'm not exactly sure what this is going to look like. Um, you know, I thought I was going to retire on top, you know, two, two transfers and two births, you know, like my two and O kind of record. And I'm like, and this is one embryo, you know, like that's a lot of pressure if, if I'm, I'm the last hope. And what if I can't do that? And like, how do I do that with them? That relationship of, I'm sorry, I failed you, you know? And that's not like I, and that's the crazy thing is I tell my surrogates and I believe like you can have the perfect doctors and perfect medical pro protocol and, and the perfect surrogate and you can have all these things be perfect. It's still left to chance. Like there's not a hundred percent success. Yes. That, that should be tip I think number that, three. Yeah. That is a huge tip and very important that like, don't blame yourself. I mean, I think everyone blames themselves and there's just this probability and this chance and it's probably not you. <laughs> it's just, it's just how it happens. Yeah, no, definitely. So we have this match meeting and I, you know, it gets to the point of like, do you, we go over the important parts. Obviously I'm now I'm clear, like, you now should you know. My, uh, yeah. Yeah, my match meeting agenda is like on point. Like we don't leave anything out. I'm like, <laughs> but so we do, we do this agenda. And then, you know, I asked them like, well, do you have any questions for me? And, um, and they say, no, I'm like, are you sure? Well, no, because we know your intended parents. I was doing my age when she was in the house and I kept telling her, I wish I had a relationship like the one you have with Ashley. You keep talking about this surrogate and how much, you know, you care for her. 
I hope to have that one day. Wow. And I said, okay. And then they said, and we've known the owners of the, the company for like four years now. And, you know, uh, Lena, Lena's very picky and I've never heard anything bad or complained about you ever, you know? So I'm like, wow, thanks. Yeah. And then the topping on it, you know, the cherry on the top was they were using my fertility clinic that I had been with with my first two journeys. And I knew he oh, would great. take care of me and he was strict and he didn't cut corners and, you know, and I thought, okay, like the way that all of this is lining up, <laughs> I don't think I can say no. Um, and so we did, we, we decided to match, um, and, oh, there was a lot of fear and, and a rough start to the, you know, getting through the rough start to the transfer. It didn't look like we were going to have much hope at that point. <laughs> and why was that? Um, so my first HCG came out at 18. I was a level 18. Oh, wow. And, that's, and I, so that's good to know that there has sometimes it's low and it can work out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had always been that one who like, you know, you get the numbers and you put it on the group like, oh, I got, you know, 400 or, you know, whatever the crazy number was. And I was with, I think it was 19. It was 19. 18 was like the cutoff and for that day. And I got 19 and I just thought, oh, like, couldn't you be one or the other, but to have me sit the weekend, you know, and it was like a Thursday. They're like, well, you can, you know, try again on, on Monday. And my numbers exactly like doubled every, like, you know, 24 or 48 hours, whatever it was. And I get like, I get to like 50, you know, <laughs> the next time. And I'm thinking, oh, we're just dragging these, this family, like their, their, their hopes and their dreams. And they keep getting these low numbers and the doctor, he's definitely not one to sugarcoat, you know? So he's like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like we have to just check this out. And again, the third HCG, you know, it, it, it did its thing and it doubled. And so he was a little, you know, a little more um, relaxed and well, it's doubling. I mean, it's, maybe he's just a slow grower, you know, we don't know. Um, and so then we did our heartbeat confirmation, like two, three weeks later. So now we've got to wait, you know, as, that awkward, you know, waiting of three weeks of like, Hey, I really hope. And, you know, I'm praying and, you know, and I, I'm not having any symptoms cause I never have pregnancy symptoms. <laughs> so Ashley, what was one of the scariest things that might've happened during your surrogacy pregnancy? Um, I any think, yeah, no, all of them, <laughs> but all of them. <laughs> no, I think, um, for this last journey, definitely, you know, with the lowering lower number for the HCG and then going into, the first ultrasound and actually seeing um, a little flicker of a heartbeat, but then also noticing um, that I had three SCHs or, you know, um, subchronic hematomas. Um, and maybe you guys can, you know, explain those a little better, but, um, you know, I have, a, I have a simple way to explain okay. them like that. Uh, so the way I describe them to people is it's kind of like, so if you like pinched your finger, like in a door or something like that, and you get like a blood blister. Okay. You know, so like that little tiny pool of blood pulls up. Um, yes. it, it's the equivalent in your uterus of the same thing. I mean, the, they can the be more, more serious than that. And, and they can be more serious than that. So that's me like way oversimplifying it. But that's the, so it's the equivalent though. Like if you took a pin to that um, blood blister on your finger and it popped. And so the blood comes out. And so same kind of thing. It's like a blood blister in your uterus and the blood comes out and it's scary, but right? As a non-medical person, I have to say, it must be a pretty big, big blood blister because I've heard yes. so many stories where they're like, I was bleeding. It was a lot of blood. and Or it was a clot or something like that. Yeah, it's a miscarriage. And then it, it's for yeah. a lot of them, at least it tends to be this... Um, SCH. SCH, subchorionic. SCH, yes. 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 Yeah, no. Yes, I, that's um, my simple description. <laughs> I like that. I actually took notes. I was like, that is great way to explain it going forward. <laughs> like, this You're is a great so learning. Right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, we, we deal with, you know, like it, this and then, and, and now we've got to go, okay, here's this risk. And, um, and so they asked me to up my progesterone as a precaution. Um, and that's always fun to add another shot. Um, but my feeling was like, well, whatever, you know, you're, you're the doctor, you understand this stuff. So if this is what you're asking, I'm going to do it. We go back for like the next ultrasound and the little guy's measuring like three days um, younger than he's supposed to be, you know, and we're at like six weeks or seven weeks at this point, you know? And so, 
now we're going, okay, is he, is something wrong? Is he not growing? You know, why, why aren't we at a normal pace? Now, something with that to know is it could just be the way that he was measured because we go back two weeks later and he's fine. And, you know, the SCHs have like resolved themselves and I didn't even have any spotting or bleeding, you know? So it was just, this, this pregnancy has been one of those where it's like, I thought I was overly confident in my uterus, <laughs> you know, and I had had these, oh, you know, a transfer and it became a successful pregnancy. And, you know, I may have spotted a little bit with the other pregnancies, but nothing too scary. Um, and then I deal with just one after another with the HCG and not even for myself as I was for these parents. Um, this, this was like all eggs in one basket. And I'm, you know, I'm like, I just want to give them good news. I just want them to hear a good report. And I think when we finally heard that first heartbeat, I remember mom, you know, texting me and saying, it's been, you know, 10 years of trying and I've never heard those words. We have a heartbeat. Oh, oh. And then I even right. more determined, you know, like this, I'm going to will this to succeed, you know, even though this is, right. I don't know how many times I talked to him, you know, I nicknamed him Jonah after the, the low HCG numbers. I was like, well, if Jonah can survive in a belly of a whale, you're surviving in this whale belly, you know, like oh. you better make it because like these parents. <laughs> so, yeah. So we called him Jonah where we were like, if you know, you better survive. You got to survive in this belly because we need you to work out. Your parents are counting on you, you know? And in that same moment, I'm working at an agency and I deal with a, a miscarriage, you know, and that guilt of like, oh, for my other family. And, and that's the hard thing is it's not it's not an everyday success. Like we love our success stories and we have more happy days than than sad. But I just had so I had so much guilt, you know, going through that. And my friend was going through a failed transfer you know, and I'm, my heart hurt because I wanted to celebrate, but I also wanted to mourn with both of those families. Speaking of mourning, so I wanted to bring up this really hard point. I, so there have been gestational carriers that have died as part of the delivery process or some other complication that happened. How how do you feel about that? I mean, I feel like sometimes the the whole thing of surrogacy can be very villainized, especially when there's a death. Um, so as a surrogate yourself and helping others, how do you react or how do you feel when you, when you see that happen? I think first I mourn the loss of a mother, you know, I, the pregnancy in itself is dangerous. Um, and, and yeah, there's more, you know, there are more complications with IVF, but pregnancy itself can be dangerous for everyone. And, um, but I mourn the mother. I mourn the family. Like I, my heart goes out to that family as they hold their baby, knowing what their dear friend, I mean, they were, it was a sibling journey. So I'm assuming there was a relationship there that their friend is gone yeah. and, and was able to bring them such a gift at that last moments of, of her time. Did you talk to your family before you chose to be a surrogate about kind of like the the worst case scenario or what if this happens? Like, do you, do you have the estate planning documents in place and everything? Yes. Yeah. No, I actually used to sell life insurance. I was a licensed broker. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and so I've always so been very first in the area. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I've always felt like it's my job, you know, as a parent and as a wife to make sure that my family can mourn me without the stress of dealing with bills and, um, and, and losing an income, um, you know, while I as a surrogate do this because I like helping families, let's not forget that I am financially um, compensated. And it there is a, a help to my family, you know, and my family, we we use that to, you know, for different things. And so for us, we really had to sit down and be point blank. I had spoke with my husband and my family and let them know that under no circumstance, if, you know, something was to go awry and I was to, uh, be put in a coma that they were to end that, you know, they don't have to come visit me, but we're going to grow this baby. We we're Marecos <laughs> and we finish things, you know, so we were going to, if it was possible, we were going to do it. Um, but I also always feared, uh, for my personal self thinking that I was being selfish. Um, I felt like it was a calling to be a surrogate. 
and I was putting my family in risk of losing me. Um, and that's a real thing, you know, like that's a risk that happens and it needs to be talked about and, and understood. Is, is there a high percentage? No, but that is still something that a family needs to decide if, if surrogacy is right for them. But yeah, that's kind of, it's, it's a tough one. I really, I really hurt for all the parties involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I think we all do, since there's been a big, big news case recently. So tip four, take it seriously. Talk to your family. Yeah, no, I definitely, yeah. Take it seriously. Understand there are complications. Oh, same thing with bed rest. If you've got littles, you know, if you've got these little toddlers and, and you go on bed rest, you know, let's be honest, the bed rest fee of, of bed rest and, and childcare or whatever it is, does not cover, you know, cloning mom and, right. and having someone there to carry and, and bathe and watch and feed and play with. And even the emotional, um, time and effort that, you know, our children take from us, like it really taking that seriously, right. even, even getting sick in the middle of the night or any of those things that, you know, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen with, you know, bed rest and, and worrying and stress of, you know, I've got to take care of my children, but I'm on bed rest and let's, you know, help out. And especially for, you know, families, you know, where, where the spouse is working, but even our single families, you know, really making sure you have the support system in place that your family understands this could be a possibility that someone may need to come stay with you and help. Um, and, and while you are, you know, compensated, I don't think sometimes that nearly comes close to what it would be to have live in nannies and people to help with driving. And, and, you know, if you don't have your family support, it's definitely worth talking about and really planning for. Yeah, no, definitely. Really big thing. What have we missed that are big lessons that you feel like, even if it wasn't in your own personal journey that you, you feel like maybe surrogates sometimes don't either think through or should be aware of and be thinking of as they're considering being a surrogate? Um, I would I, this may not be a popular uh, idea, so I'm not saying this is correct in any way, but for myself, I would say have that love, compassion, and awareness of what your intended parents are going through. Um, understand that a journey can cost, you know, 120 to $150,000 for, you know, and, and, and it can go upwards of that, you know? And so just as a surrogate, understanding that it's not just dispensable, this, this money that grows on a tree and the pain of heartbreak. And some, sometimes relationships take a while to start up. You know, if, if you've been through loss and miscarriages, you may not be so quick to let those walls down and become best friends at the beginning, you know, and waiting for right. transfer, waiting for heartbeats. Um, I always see relationships start to grow even stronger after the first trimester where people can kind of take a breath a little, um, and then also use your agency as your soundboard. Like, please, that's what we're here for. Call us and complain about the pregnancy issues or things going on. You know, sure, talk to parents, but know that you have the support of your fam family and your friends and your agency. Like, use us for that communication. Talk to us. Share what's going on so that we can help you and be there and understand. Because sometimes parents, when they hear of, of the spotting or the bleeding, automatically go to the ears of fear that they've got from their experience. But if we're able right. to have a plan and get the exact details and then take that to them and say, hey, look, this is an SCH. Here are the right. risks. Here's what's going on. Here's the plan that's in place. That can be a little easier for their hearts. So maybe just stepping back a little and checking with your agency, talking to them and seeing how do we approach this with parents so that they don't um, have unneeded fear and stress and, and right. Extra, and extra those emotions. fear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I see it. And I mean, I will say just, I see it from the other side. It's hard as intended parents sometimes that they go, you know, she didn't come to me first. And I, I definitely can see both sides of that, but 
I I do I agree with your tip in in a lot of cases that you know especially I, I have had surrogates come to me and go I have just a little bit of spotting or something like that and I'm a little freaked out and then we can go okay why don't we together have a group conversation about that this is what's happening and this is what we think it might be you know so it does make it so that you know as long as you you have an agency that's responsive and quick enough I mean I I can see it being like I went to the agency on Friday afternoon and they closed for the weekend and then the parents are like why did nobody tell oh, yeah. me until you know like that <laughs> so I mean I I would say make sure that your agency is responsive if you're <laughs> if you use that kind of tactic um but yeah 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 <laughs> I, I mean i think that's the actually yeah no um we, what, what do you think is important for looking for an agency because that actually kind of just cued that right in my brain no that's perfect yeah it definitely rolls right into it um one is are is someone available to answer your emergency questions 24 7 you know what's the process to get a hold of somebody um, what is the typical caseload? You know, how, how many cases is my coordinator dealing with? Um, those are definitely, you know, important questions. Is there counseling services? If we're going through something like this, you know, does the agency or the family, are we, do we have the support of, of, of how that works? You know, um, I would definitely say those are like questions I know for myself, I ended up with my first journey um, getting into a small fender bender on, on, on the highway and, um, two days later going into labor. And I was early, like oh, wow. you know, 36 and a half weeks. And it's a Friday night at 10 o'clock and I roll up and I'm seven centimeters, you know, and I'm called, I oh, called, wow. you know, as I started to have contractions, I'm calling and I'm not able to get a hold of any agency and I've got to hold my intended mother you know, she's eight months pregnant in California, thought she had two more weeks to like drive up to me, you know? So she's panicking, trying to figure out how am I going to get to you as soon as possible? Um, and so we're trying to get a hold of the agency and, and normally that wouldn't be a big deal. However, the, you know, social worker at the hospital went home because it's a Friday and locked all the paperwork and didn't note any of our PBL or our um, birth plan. So the hospital treated like an adoption. Oh. So we get back to the room and my, I, we had agreed that I would nurse, you know, I was fine like that. Let's get some colostrum. And they come in as I'm finishing the first nursing and are like, you can't keep this baby and treat it like an adoption and take him away and put him in the ICU oh. because they have no nursery. Wow. And it doesn't even make sense. You know, Cause even if it was an adoption, you still as the adoptive person would have the right to, to actually parent your child in that time frame, That doesn't even make any sense. That's horrible. No, that's, yeah, that's the excuse they used. We were trying to get a hold of people. And so from that moment, I had decided, uh, you know, if I ever came into the field that there would be a 24 seven number. And I was, uh, I was blessed enough to have an agency yeah, that would do that. That's a good question for gestational carriers. Like what happens if there's an emergency in the middle of the night? Is there a 24 seven contact? That's great. That's a great question. Tip, tip five, what are we on? Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about seven and a half. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what the, yeah, exactly. Anything with <laughs> yeah, I would say you know, and I would also yeah. ask you know an agency like you know how long does it usually take to 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 respond back? What's your time limit? You know where where does that look? Sometimes you know I tell I tell people all the time like if you need me and it's something that's you know that can wait till the morning, I will respond in the morning. You know you can you can call or you can text or you can email. Uh, if it's something that's an emergency and you call, like, just give me a few minutes. I may be groggy. Like if you're calling me in the middle of the night for an emergency, I've got to get my bearings, but I will figure it out, you know, but that's definitely something right. I would say, you know, find out what that communication looks like. Even if it's an emergency number that can. Ellen tells people that I don't sleep, but I do actually. Oh. <laughs> but she will wake up at 2 a.m. and answer your emergency. That's awesome. Call, so yeah, that no. For sure. We interview like coordinators and we're like, you understand the babies just don't come nine to five, right? Like you're on a 24 hour job. They're like, uh, <laughs> we're like, we promise to give you time off, but if something happens, we need you. Right. Right. Um, right. I would also ask like for an agency wise, I would ask them like, does your agency monitor track or like pay surrogates expenses? Like how does that process work? Like escrow accounts, um, you know, can I pick my own OB? Can I pick my own hospital? You know, those are questions that are important to ask because, you know, as we're dealing with insurance, we're seeing more and more that insurances are changing up. And so you may not be able to pick your own OB or hospital, you know, something close, but also understanding and, you know, finding out what are your qualifications? 
like what your agency qualifications or, you know, your normal clinics that you work with. Um, I'm a heart person, so I like to know history. So I would definitely like ask, you know, how did your agency get started or why did you, why did your agency start kind of knowing where that was at? There's a lot of, I mean, we, I might be one agency, but there are a lot of amazing, amazing agencies. And when we get together at different conferences to see people's hearts and to see their, you know, their work ethic and we all, and we, and little surprise here, but a lot of us work together. Like we, we partner on things and we talk to each other and get advice. Like, it's not like cat claws come right. out. Like, we really right. are all wanting yeah. to grow yeah. families. <laughs> right. That's that's what most of us want is actually the best case for everybody. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, this was fantastic. I feel like your stories are so touching and informative to people. And I feel like this has been helpful to kind of sneak in that, that those tidbits of how to really protect yourself going into this. Thank you, Ashley, so much for your for your time and your your amazing heart to to share everything that you've been through. Thank you, guys. Thank you for even listening to my story or wanting to hear it. <laughs> like I appreciate it. I hope it helps. Oh, I, I hope it. someone learned something or learned from my mistake. <laughs> uh, no, I say no. You you've done wonderfully. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ashley, for sharing your story, your expertise, and your wisdom and guidance. All of that I hope will will be helpful to those listening. And thank you always. I just like to say thank you. Do we do do we not? Like, is there ever time? I feel like maybe we're repetitive. We're like, thank you, thank you. No, 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 thank you. Really, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but really, it, truly, we appreciate when, that people are listening. We love when people stop. I, I actually, the other day, somebody said, your voice is really familiar. And I was like, hmm, do you listen to a podcast? So I'd never met them before and they'd actually heard it. I was like, that's, it's fun to, to get you, to have that interaction with people. Um, and so thank you to anybody who who stops us and, and says those things and that they really appreciate that we're here. Uh, always, always thank you to our team, Amanda, Ashley, Tyler, Lexi, who makes us look beautiful and who is actually coming back from maternity leave. I know we've been bemoaning, but uh, we're really, really, really excited to have her back. <laughs> um, and then a huge thank you to Chris at Work at Bird Studios, who always makes us sound incredible. So thank you all for listening. Thank you.